right. Welcome back to the Integrateness Podcast with Jason and Jolene. I'm Jason. She's Jolene, the gal over there with the degree in helping people. Um, last week, we talked about dealing with burnout. This week, we're actually going to talk about dealing with rejection. Probably the one thing as a species we suck at is being able to handle rejection. Nobody likes to be rejected in any capacity, be it for a job, a romantic interest, an invite to a friend's party. Um, the ice cream that you want isn't there is even a form of rejection, and that can crush your day depending on what kind of day you're having and how much you really wanted that fucking ice cream. Uh, rejection is something that's just, it's it's a constant thing that we all have to deal with at some point in our lives, usually multiple times, and it's never easy, and we never seem to do it particularly well. Mm. Do we, Jolene? Oh, my heart hurts, Jason. <laughs> Your heart hurts today? <laughs> just in general or just? Because <laughs> of that word, the word brings about so many feelings. The majority of the people that I help in my practice have big rejection and abandonment wounds. I hold my hand up. Those are my deepest wounds, rejection and abandonment. Those are the ones that I am continually called back to heal. Those are the ones, if I have triggers that come up in any kind of intimate relationships. And I mean, intimate, just people I allow to get close to me. Those are the ones that uh, come up and get triggered the most that I just heal over and over again. And I say over again, because they're never the same ones, right? We let people in, in different ways. We learn to trust people are different in how they respond and how we can nourish and heal based on whether they're healthy interactions or unhealthy interactions, right? The hardest thing sometimes in those uh, healing of the wounds is like, going from unhealthy connections uh, with individuals into like your first healthy connection. And it's wild how uncomfortable and new all of that is and how much rewiring that takes, which means there is a lot of healing that comes up around those issues. So that is why my heart hurts because this one like cuts deep, um, which is like the human part of all of us. Like, I think if, if anyone listening we're to think about where some of their most sensitive hurts are, it's usually around rejection. We have a core negative belief often from childhood that we are not good enough. And our brain is constantly looking for evidence of that in our lives. We are constantly sourcing where we are not good enough. It's wild what we put ourselves through. You know what? And I'm exactly the same way. Uh, my big things are abandonment and rejection. And I'm, for me, I mean, I always kind of wondered why, and obviously discovering that I was adopted, that's a pretty big one <laughs> like in terms of feeling a sense of abandonment or rejection, no matter what the reasoning was. So having that from a very young age, subconsciously, that was there. And it's, and then, so it affected me all through like, you know, elementary school and then sort of high school in terms of like dating and all that. And then having your, your father die, sense of abandonment at a crucial time in your life, just compounded all those feelings. So yeah, this is a big one for me too, that I've struggled with. Um, to the point I'm surprised that my wife and I are still together 15 years later. Cause there's always a part of me that is just like, well, every other shoe dropped. When's this one going to fucking drop? Right. I know it's not, but you, it's, it's, it's ingrained in my DNA to think about that, which is shitty after 15 years. Yes, but you're aware of that. And she's probably aware of that wound. And one of the most beautiful things that partners can do for us is know that that's a wound of ours. And like, 
learn what it is so they don't hurt us in the same ways. And I just think that that is like when we get into very conscious um, healed relationships or relationships where we're actively healing together, those are the kinds of things we want to learn about our partners. We want to learn their, learn their love language. We want to learn their attachment styles. I mean, people with strong rejection, rejection and abandonment wounds tend to have anxious attachment styles or else avoidant, right? for myself, it's the anxious ones. Those are the ones that come up and like flare right the fuck up. And it's funny because if you looked through the majority of my marriage for that 13 years, probably the last 10 years, I didn't feel as anxious in my connection, probably more avoidant, but like if like, as I kind of stepped into like, I say step, but really I was like dipping my toe into the idea of dating in this last year. Um, I could totally see that it was like the previous versions of me. It was all anxious attachment stuff. And again, a rejection and abandonment being the primary wounds that would get, uh, I would like, kind of stroked along the way. Right. Um, if we were to look at the definition of rejection, um, it's the act of rejecting something. So then I had to click on reject <laughs> to get <laughs> Thanks, Miriam Webster. Uh, so to refuse to accept, consider, submit to, take for some purpose or use, to refuse to hear, receive, or admit, to refuse as lover or spouse. Mm. So those are really difficult things because when we think about who we are as a human being, this is really what's coming to me right now as I read those when we think about who we are and we are offering ourselves to somebody in partnership. And again, this doesn't have to be romantic. This can be as an employee, as a friend, as a neighbor, we bring ourselves like a gift, right? I consider all of us a gift and we are offering ourselves as a gift to somebody else. Imagine somebody like not putting their hands out and taking a gift you've, you've given them. And you're like, but I made this for you. Like I made this, I, I don't want it. Right. That is essentially what rejection feels like to us when people are rejecting us as, as ourselves. And, you know, I've really come to lean into the statement, which goes with your calendar today, Jason, um, rejection is protection. And I, I, I like, like <laughs> pad the walls of my rejection room, room, womb. Yeah, that too. Uh, with, um, that statement, like rejection is protection, recognizing that when somebody or something is rejecting me, that's actually a form of protection and redirection, because maybe what I want isn't what's supposed to want me, right? But that being said, it hurts. There's so many things that come up. And often, though, what we have to remember is that it has more to do with the other person than it has to do with us. And I really like, I really wish we weren't wired to think the opposite of that. But as children, we can't think that we are not good enough. Um, or sorry, that other people have their stuff going on. We, we just, we take it personally. We think there's something we could be doing differently to be accepted better, to be loved better, right? We don't want to think that our parents aren't capable of loving us the way we need to be loved. It must be because we're doing something wrong. So we create these cognitions and this belief system that just like becomes our internal software that we constantly have to override later. Jason, what's your anti-affirmation calendar today? Oh yes, it's a good one. Um, being hated and ignored by many makes life a lot more easier to handle <laughs> and which is funny because i have this the, my son has inherited this thing from me where for some reason despite our best efforts we're likable and people want to be around us but we're both quite introverted so we don't want people around all the time right and so that's why i found this one kind of funny because in some ways boy wouldn't wouldn't it be easier to be hated and ignored because then you're not dealing with these commitments to all these people who want to be around you but so 
but it, it also speaks to to being rejected and being rejected is not easier to handle in life at all no, no matter no. how many and even when you say when you tell yourself the whole bit well it's more about the other person i was always told that you know by my parents well if someone has a problem with you it's more about them than you but trying to process that even as an adult sometimes can just be like but why what is that doesn't make any sense right and, yeah and sometimes it's like just because someone's not choosing you it feels like rejection it doesn't mean it's a negative like negatively conceived kind of option they're just not choosing you it's not because they don't like you or you're not good enough you're just not the choice that day it's just like when we decide what to have for dinner you know if we're choosing sushi over burgers it's not because we don't like burgers we're just choosing the sushi, right? But like, again, even sometimes the act of just not being chosen in certain situations or this or that, um, it feels like it's like this massive slap of rejection, right? And think about that in, in you know, situations where people are applying for jobs and they don't get the job, you know, um, they don't get the lead in the school play or they don't get chosen for the, oh my God, fucking dodgeball, right? Everyone oh. go back to dodgeball. How deep do your rejection wounds go? Let's go back to grade three PE class. Were you first, second, middle, or last during the dodgeball picking? <laughs> oh, what be it? Because I was very unathletic. Be it any sport, I was always picked last, oh. which probably led to my general dislike of sports. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Well, fuck you, sports. I'm going to just go do something else for a while. But yeah, but I was not athletic. Like, I literally, I would suck. I, you know, I have a lack of depth perception. I could not hit a fucking baseball. I could do hockey. But I just athletically, in terms of like stamina as a kid, I just couldn't keep up on the ice. It was just one of those things. But boy, did that ever suck. I hated Pete. And like, I, I don't really it. know. I don't even know if you get better at rejection as it goes on. Maybe you just let it impact you less or you take it personally less or you're able to like pick up and dust yourself off a little better. Like, you know, you and I both had... Um, trying times in elementary school, things that set us apart. So for you, your dyslexia, um, and then of course, moving schools and stuff. For me, there were periods like I was deathly shy at times, but then there were periods where I was overweight and I got bullied. Um, and then like, there was lots of rejection through those stages for us. So like, you get used to it in a sense of like, you learn how to navigate it. And I know people who never had to really deal with rejection because they were the athletic ones. They were, you know, there was all of these things and maybe rejection came later in life. And that became a very bizarre or foreign thing for them to manage. But, you know, for any of our listeners here, think about like, what are your earliest experiences with rejection? What does that look like? Um, and and where do you see those patterns play out? Like I find for myself, some of the things I've learned through any rejection and abandonment issues is just double checking, triple checking constantly, like somebody else's behavior, you know, how quickly am I uh, likely to make that about me? Like, oh my gosh, is that because I said this? Or if I feel myself like, wanting to go and and make a repair about something like why am I assuming that that person's state is about what I may have said or done and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't you know I've navigated this uh, quite a bit over the last um, few months just in um, connection of having maybe some healthy experiences communicating with people and you know being able to say like I'm wondering if this is something that's coming up in the situation and I, I'm just like clarifying for the two of us and having healthy communication around this or I'm actually trying to sort out or discern whether 
this is kind of my own wound and trigger. And it's about being like having safe places to go through that process. Right. And sometimes I would be going through it on my own and it would still lack a bit of clarity. And I'm like, okay, I need to double check with this person. Right. And it's so beautiful to be able to have those non-judgmental open conversations where there's so much room for growth when the other person is mature enough to do that. Right. But all too often, many of us have not had opportunities. I can't say I've had a ton of opportunities up until like my 40th year of life here to have those conversations. There's a lot of unhelpful conversations that have like pre-wired me through life, even though I do this for work, doesn't mean I had those kind of connections in my life. Right. No, it's, it's funny. It's like, um, I always wondered that with counselors, <laughs> you know what I mean? This kid, do they do they have all the answers to all the, the situations in their own lives? No, it, you're just a, a person like anyone else, and it's easier to apply things to other people than it is to apply things to ourselves. In a sense, right? Or it's like I, you know, I might have all of those skills, but if the other party involved isn't participating in those healthy ways, then you're in a negative cycle of it, right? Or whatever those things be, right? We talked about this in the previous episode, like you can set a boundary, but if somebody else isn't going to respect it, eventually you got to like pull out of that situation, right? Like you can set as many boundaries as you want. And if people keep violating them, then the issue is the situation that you got to get out of, right? So it's kind of like that as well. So um, yeah, I mean, we're all learning as we go. It's no different than like a hockey coach, you know, having really great coaching skills, but then maybe they are not that great on the ice they also have you know their own um growth to do in in their actual play on the ice right so yeah no and that's why I've tried to be pretty transparent about this journey you know I'm open about my grief journey and how that's evolved and obviously my separation I'm pretty transparent about in a lot of ways of just like how one can kind of take these transformations in life and align with themselves more you know to um, have more life satisfaction honor self use these as opportunities to heal we're all just here to become better people we're all here to you know essentially um, expand ourselves into more peaceful places, places of growth, um, places of, yeah, expansion, I guess. Right. I think with two, when it comes to, um, dealing with rejection and, and being able to have those conversations, right. It's tough when you feel invested in, mm -hmm. in that person or that situation. That's what makes it, I think the hardest part um, yeah. even recently I had to have a conversation with some of mine, a friend of mine, a female friend about a positive thing, but it was something I didn't know how she was going to take it. Right. And, and, you know, and we're both, you know, both happily married kind of thing, but you're sort of having a, where you're opening up to someone and it's like, don't, you don't want them to take it the wrong way. So it took a few, we meet for coffee, like every, you know, a couple times a month kind of thing. It took a few meetings for coffee for me to even get that courage up. And this is someone I've known for, for almost nine years. We have a very close relationship, but it was talking about something of importance that could lead to some form of rejection. Yeah. And that was terrifying. And I have 50 years experience doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was still no, suddenly like, there wasn't asking anyone out for a date or anything like that. It was just talking about something that had some emotional meaning, yeah. you know, and could, could have maybe not been received so well. But I also think that the things we're most afraid to do like that are often like that's our temperature gauge of how important that is to us. Right. So the more fear we have of rejection doesn't always mean that the relationship's not safe, but it means that like this is important to me. I'm putting a lot on the line here. 
Um, and then as we are able to engage in that kind of dialogue and have those moments of really like honest communication, then we can secure the safety of the connection. Like everything is in the repair. You know, I mentioned this in, in, in my Instagram stories a, a while ago when someone was like, oh, I lost my shit on my kids and spent the whole day repairing. And I was like, that is actually the definition of how we learn what relationships are safe is by how we repair them. So essentially, you know, recognizing, oh my gosh, I was really fearful of this. It showed me that I did not want to lose this connection. But then because I was able to speak my truth, be authentic, say the hard thing or bring up the hard conversation, even if I knew the other person might not agree or might take offense to it, I did it and it was safe. That secures so much more in the connection there. And there's so many of us in so many relationships of our life where we're just not telling the truth because of those reasons. Like, we just don't tell our truth or the truth so much. Like I really think if people inventoried the amount of things they held back on, and I'm not just talking about like, I'm not going to ruffle feathers. I'm going to be polite here. It's like big things that we're like, mm, I'm just not going to say it. It damages so much of our relationships that they're not even true relationships anymore. They're not even true friendships. When we can get to those places, which I think we just do with a lot more personal awareness, a lot more growth, a lot more confidence, maybe maturity, whatever that looks like, it gets richer. Those connections are so much richer, but man, it takes a lot to get there because we fear rejection big time. We don't want to hurt people. No, no, we don't. And so, but sometimes like you're right, those, those hard things need to be discussed. And that has to be done. I have a friend who I've been friends with for 38 years, and it's getting to the point where it's time to have a real tough conversation about certain things because it's, there's been a pattern over all those years where things were let go for fear yeah. of, on my part, being younger of rejection or hurting that person or them going and doing something really stupid because I tell them something. But it's getting to that tipping point where it's, you know what, this has been avoided for fucking too long and it needs to happen. And now it's a scary place to be in. But Personally, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable to do it because I'm at the point where it's like, it's it's that or it's like, goodbye. Yeah, you know I, mean? I feel like we all have to be okay letting things go and letting things end in order to get to that point. So that's also another piece we talked about last week around, you know, um, being able to let go. And I think when we are okay, whether something stays or goes is really where we're able to kind of lean in our truth a little bit more around that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, all too often when I have like taken the leap and been like, okay, I'm going to be this new, tr like truly authentic version of me. And I'm going to just like, no matter how insecure I feel here and fuck, trust me guys, like there's a lot of insecurity dipping my toe back into things. Right. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And if it's not received, then that's not the person I, I, want to be in my life because I'm not going to go recreate the last 13 years of my life anymore right like doing things different different patterns different things and it will deepen and like progress that connection so much it's really beautiful and I watch my clients go through this all the time and they're like Jolene you wouldn't believe it I had that conversation and like that person met me and we just walked like three stairs up now like we are just it like catapulted us into a whole new stage and I was like that in itself. Right. And this is like, and, and so many of them, like, even after things like infidelity and things like this, like where you can enhance connection by just being really truthful about what some of those things were. It's so beautiful. And I know it sounds so basic when we're talking about it, you guys, but you all know where you hold back. Like I know you do or where you have held back until you've actively done this work. And in order to do this work, you got to go heal some deep shit. Like 
that stuff's coming up for me tenfold because it hasn't been awakened. It's been dormant for quite some time. That hasn't, that wound hasn't been tickled. And then when it does, you're like, oh, that is a gut punch. And you're like, okay, time for me to deal with that. Like, there's no shame in it. There is no, well, shouldn't you be healed by from that by now? And any of those kinds of things, right? Um, you have to be able to like, take it as it comes and recognize it's because nothing has had this special secret code to unlock this one yet. And here we are. So you just take it as it comes. No, I think that's a great, that's a great way to, to say it. Right. And it's being okay with, with those things. And it's good for you for just being, you're going to go be your authentic self. Cause there's a lot of people who are never going to be their authentic self to people be, for fear of not finding that person. And then you find the wrong person. Yeah. Well, and that, that was my agreement to myself when I left my marriage was that I, the, my only option is in life is to be a hundred percent real authentic. Like I, I have to, cause I, I can't be in this anymore. And that, that was my agreement to myself. So I very transparently um, embark on that journey. And it's very interesting um, what I have endured. Like, again, it's been just dip in my tone little ways, but like um, how you can be so upfront and so honest and people can still be deceitful. And it's um rather mind blowing how, and for me, it's been about keeping an open heart regardless, like regardless. And, and that's how I've always kind of lived my life as I try to keep my heart as open as I can, even though it has been hurt many times in many different ways. Um, That is why I'm here. Like I have love to, to give and to share, um, to humankind. And I don't want things to close and contract that, but it is very interesting to me how many people, um, still take advantage of, or think that they can. Um, yeah. And it becomes just a, again, process of sometimes random learning. Right. And it's like, is there anything I could have done differently? No, except for really just like, what do I do now that I know this and move forward? Right. Awesome. Yeah. You could almost do like a side podcast, like Jolene's dating journey, and you could share. Oh, no. And that's also a thing too, right? Like Jason and I lead pretty public lives and I try to share as much as I can, but there are parts of my life that are private and I want them to stay private. And I actually think that's really beautiful when couples are able to just share something as like unique and intimate and you can keep parts of you, um, parts of you just separate and protected in some ways, you know? So for example, there was, um, somebody and uh, somebody, <laughs> and, um, I remember them saying, they were like, no, I don't follow her business page. That's the work version of her. And I was like, fuck, I love that. Thank you for seeing me as somebody outside of this hat and this role. Cause I think a lot of people, um, I don't want to say like fall in love with this version of me, but like they're, they, 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 they enjoy, they befriend this version of me, but this is also a hat career version of me, right? This is a different version. When you see me as a mom, when you see me as a woman, when you see me as a lover, I am a different person than you're seeing on this podcast or on my business page as a therapist, right? So I actually really uh, respected that this person respected my professional identity and, and wanted to see me outside of that. I was like, thank you. You know, that's cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Well, and it's that same thing. It's I only put so much out there, right? I keep a lot of my family stuff out of the public eye, except for like birthday pics or something like that. But yeah, no, it's important to have these boundaries. 
Yeah. And, and to have protected parts of ourselves that are allowed to just be ourselves. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And for other people to recognize that too. Right. Like everybody does this in there. Well, I don't know if everybody does a lot of people really throw everything out on social media, but I don't actually think it's everything. I really don't. I mean, it's really hard to get a full snapshot of somebody in that kind of a realm. Like we are dynamic human beings. I don't think there's one way to capture us. You know, I think it's when we allow people into these intimate connections with ourselves and we navigate seeing people for who they are and loving them because of it, right? That we really then get to see people and we feel seen. And that takes human interaction. It takes pain. It takes ugliness. It takes vulnerability. And we just can't get that in social media levels of things, right? So I think that that's that protected private part of our world that puts us on the brink hugely of rejection, right? Because I think there's a lot of people that have like Instagrammy and, you know, social media type connections with people and they feel like they're really deep and they're tight, but like, it's not really until you get to navigate wounds with another person. Okay. When you get to have these hard conversations or they evolve into conversations where people are like, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this connection, but I'm too afraid to say something fucking say it because I promise you it'll either end the connection or it'll enhance it. And now you're looking at like what connection looks like, right? Now you're actually getting a sense of like what friendship can be, what partnership can be, what some of those things can be, because we can stay so superficial, not hitting those levels of intimacy by showing the uglies, showing you know, um, the vulnerabilities of where I'm afraid you're thinking this, or I'm worried about that, or what are your thoughts on this? You know, like I was just talking to a client this morning who's been talking to somebody for a year on Instagram, doesn't really know where they sit in their life. And I was like, well, are you, are you blocking yourself from finding a romantic partner? Because you've kind of got this like half-assed thing here. Like, does that stop you from dating or wanting to pursue someone else? And she was like, you know, it's funny you say that. Cause I was thinking of asking this person, like, what is this connection to you? And I said, you have nothing to lose at this point for that, because you're either blocking availability for something else to come into your life or for you to pursue something else. But you're also sitting in this place of discomfort of not feeling good enough and not feeling chosen when maybe that person doesn't even know being chosen is on the table. Like, do they know you want to be chosen? Do they know what your intentions are? So many of us are engaged in these semi-connections with people, but nobody knows what anybody's intentions are. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. It totally does. It totally does. It's because of the fear of rejection. Like it really comes down oh, to that. Sure. And people will stay in those weird distancy relationships or whatever, or relationships that aren't even healthy. And there's a way to avoid being connected with people in the real world or dating someone in the real world. It's like, well, I've kind of got this going because it's way it's way easier to talk to someone through a computer than it is to go out and talk to people in the real world because that's that can hurt real quick whereas you can sort of lie your way through online connections in a certain way and maybe not even lie maybe they are very honest and it's like the first place you feel like you can kind of do that but then you can also we actually protect ourselves from rejection in really bizarre ways. So we might choose long distance. We might choose um, relationships where if the other person doesn't choose us, we'll be like, oh, it's okay because, you know, they lived how many hours away or it's okay because they never wanted kids or it's okay because, right? So we'll actually like create these 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 scenarios where we're engaged in these situations where that if rejection comes, we're like, well, it kind of makes sense that, you know, so subconsciously we're kind of creating these scenarios if that if that kind of makes sense to people i think that's kind of what i meant yeah meant in what i was saying but yeah like i'm having very little experience 
connecting with people that way. But yes, I think I think that's exactly true. Yeah. So just, you know, getting people thinking about where rejection holds you back in life, where fear of rejection holds you back, what some of your biggest rejections are like Jason for you, what were some of your biggest rejections throughout this lifespan for yourself that you've navigated in terms of moments of yeah, being rejected? Oh, there'd be like a few romantic rejections from like, you know, early on. Um, never really any career ones. There was, and then I think just the whole adoption journey and figuring out what that was about. That was a huge one, right? And then, of course, dealing with a father. That was more abandonment than rejection, but there's the, the two go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and just not wanting to be rejected because of how much the pain of that abandonment was. So I would just not. I, and the, by, the, by the way that I would deal with that is I'd be in relationships that were unhealthy because I knew they'd, they'd end anyways. Yeah, there <laughs> you that go. makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And for me, very similar, like rejection friendship wise back in my early days and stuff, I would say those were probably some big ones. Um, and then romantic rejection lots through just all of my dating journeys, crushes. I had like tons of rejection. Um, I would say like the duration of my marriage, probably continually being rejected indirectly by like that person not choosing to prioritize the um like state of the 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 marriage right um that indirectly then becomes consistent rejection like choosing something else or you know self needs over the needs of the relationship in in a certain kind of way so that was like perpetual um what else is there? My dad's death, of course, right? Being a suicide, there was very overt rejection feelings there and abandonment, like big abandonment ones. And then, yeah, like, like I said, just uh, dipping my toe into the dating world here, like really uh, recognizing that that is definitely one of the biggest wounds that I needed to heal in order to get into a healthy relationship, because that is kind of, um, it becomes the framework for a lot of reasons why one would tolerate behavior or not put a certain boundary in place or settle, right? Settling is kind of one of the biggest symptoms of rejection, right? And not asking for more and not speaking up for needs to be met in any of those kinds of things. So in order to have the kind of relationship I desire, that one's got to be healed, right? And then also because of massive trust issues, that's got to be another piece too, right? So it kind of fuels any sort of um, trust issues and stuff too. So I mean, they're all, they all kind of piggyback onto each other but um again they become parts of the foundation of like the new empire being built or like replace the foundation of the empire that's floating kind of thing so good stuff on rejection yeah the toughest things to talk about and we are just in time too as the zoom clock is ticking down for the last time on the integrateness podcast is starting next episode Jolene and i are recording everything together like we did in the drunken christmas episode it will not be one drunken christmas episode after another though we promise you that oh <laughs> you could have a summer solstice party or something yeah. um maybe something we talk about next time is uh the opposite of rejection which is acceptance right the things that yes. we lean into the things that lean into us like you know when i say rejection like i just feel all of this from my heart space just like contracting and getting so activated as we talk about it and i'm just like ah it feels so different when you're on the other end of that and it's just like acceptance and flow so i think maybe we'll talk about that next time you guys and then we're probably rolling into <laughs> uh valentine's day stuff which is going to activate both of those things <laughs> big time <laughs> so until next week i'm jason i'm jolene Talk again in seven days. Mm -hmm.